Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Rolling into episode number 32, joining me is, once again, Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Can you believe it's been 32 episodes? 32 episodes. It's crazy. It seems like just yesterday right. we were just getting started in the, along with the coronavirus. Yeah, it's about to get cold again. We yeah. started this in the cold. so Yeah, yeah. that's good to see. I like cold. Uh, I like it for running. I don't like cold for everything else, but I like it for running. So, <laughs> Hey, have you ever felt like you're wasting your time doing good things? I mean, like you've done good things, but and, and you, you know they're not bad things, but you just feel like you're wasting your time. Sometimes God will use those moments to prompt us to be a little bolder, as we'll discover in this week's story. And I will share something I've written about looking backwards and forwards. This is an alert to all you worriers out there, and I know you're out there, and I know you're listening. You do not want to miss this one. (laughs) We're going to start off by telling you um, who to vote for. Easy, Dean. Just kidding. (laughs) You've probably had enough of that, right? <laughs> uh, although, I will say, I always look for Jesus on the ballot. Yep. If I can find Jesus anywhere in the ballot, then I'm voting for him. Now, that would fix all of our problems. It would. It absolutely would. So I look for the folks that seem to be closest to what uh, Jesus is is thinking, and um, that's, the, that's the guy. That's the lady. That's mm-hmm. the one. Yep. So, all right. Trivia question. We had a trivia question last week um and it was it was a good one i don't know how many of you had to go out there and look this up i don't if if anybody out there knew this one congratulations you are definitely a real runner um i didn't know this one name the guy who won the 1960 olympic marathon and tell me what was crazy about that victory and the answer to the question was a bb bakila Abibi Bakila was an Ethiopian runner. We look at the Ethiopians and the and the Kenyans today and all those East Africans as just being they must have always been around, but they weren't. At this time, Abibi Bakila was was something different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world, the the fastest marathoners were coming from the United States and Great Britain and other places in the in, really? in the country. New Zealand had some great uh, runners. Um, yeah, they were they were all over the world, but they weren't. From East Africa, for I the guess most part. I, I was like everybody else. I just thought they'd always been around. They were always at the front. And yeah, go find go find some results from the 1950s and tell me how many you find. Wow, you won't find many. It's interesting. Yeah, um, he was also the first one to win back-to-back Olympic marathons. So uh, the Olympic marathon started in 1896, and then he was the first one in 1960 to win. Or 1964 is when he won his second one. Right. Um, the crazy thing about it, though, and the reason why this, this question comes up is here's what was crazy about it was that he won this race running barefoot. So he's the one that started this. <laughs> the uh, question that we get asked pretty often. Yeah. You know, are, are we, we've had some, uh, I've actually ran across an instructor who, um, you know, the barefoot craze came on, what was that, yeah. probably seven, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Where everybody was wearing the Vibram 
you know, running barefoot. Yep. And we had an instructor that was teaching this to their class yep. that you should run barefoot. And yep. we know that that's not the right answer. Some people can get away with that. Most yeah. cannot. Yeah. Um, so, so this guy's the one that started that. Huh? That's the guy. So, yeah, well, what happened was he was in Rome for this race. And mm-hmm. so he goes to this place and, and he finds some new shoes. Yeah. And he purchases this pair of new shoes. I guess, I don't know if he'd never had a pair of running shoes before or what. But he bought these shoes. Well, he ran in them a little bit. And they were giving him blisters. And so he decided that it would be better to run barefoot than to get blisters from his, from his shoes. And so, yeah, I mean, cobblestone streets and everything that he ran on there in Rome was, uh, that's interesting. Of course, he's not the only one. Um, There was a a lady named Zola Budd who Mm -hmm. ran for Great Britain. She was from South Africa, ran for Great Britain in the 1980s, um, who also ran barefoot. But she was on the track. I can understand it a little better on the track. You got good, sure footing there. Anyway. Uh, when he, this was inter- the, the whole story of this race, actually, I knew who won. I knew what had happened and all that, but I didn't realize the, end, the ending of this race went this way. When he gets through with the race, of course, he's running with another guy up until 500 meters to go. He, they get basically to the stadium, and he's like, oh, the finish line must be close. So he just sprints away from this guy, beats him by a, like 24 seconds or something over the last wow. 500 meters, just blew him away over this last 500 meters. He runs across the finish line, and he starts – running in place and touching his toes. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said that later they interviewed him, and he said, I feel like I could have run another 10 or 15 kilometers at that pace. Hmm. Um, a little confidence. Yeah. he or was cockiness. Yeah, he was one Literally, of those. Yeah. Uh, and we always say no one likes a show-off. Right. But in this case, that was wrong, because in Ethiopia, Abiba Bakila became a national hero. Yeah. Uh, at that point. So um, it was a, a big, big deal in Ethiopia. And today, this is this started this whole craze in Kenya and Ethiopia where uh, these East, in East Africa, track and field and, and running is a huge, is one of their biggest sports. It's not like around here where it's a minor sport. Over there, it's a major well, sport. Well, it's, but it's also part, part of their way of life. It you is. Know, especially the no-shoe part. I, yeah. I have a friend um, who used to own a timing company called Zulu Racing. And the name Zulu come from that's a that's a tribe in Africa, mm-hmm. and they would do a mission trip every year in Africa. And while they were there, they would put on a little five k in this village. Uh, the, I guess the village is Zulu or the tribe is anyway in this little village. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story or not. I don't think but so. But they would do this five k, and they would take bibs and shoes. And of course, they were a timing company, so you know they wanted to do this race. And he said they would. They would bring shoes, bibs, T-shirts, everything just like a race. Well, they would get all the people in this village uh, to come sign up for this race. Well, running there, even if you're not a air quote runner, people run. They don't have cars like we do here, yeah. you know, two in every garage, or they don't even have garages. And uh, he said what was so crazy is some of these guys would come up and, you know, they just looked like a runner when they walked up, but they've never ran competitively in their life. And they would hand them a pair of shoes, hand them a bib, you know, line them up at the start. But he said the guys would just throw the shoes over the side and come through in sub-20 minutes. Yeah. And they've never ran competitively in their life, yeah. and they're, like, not even breathing hard when they come through. But that's <laughs> it's just kind of their way of life over there, and, yeah. and that's what they're used to. So, um, 
Yeah, well, Abiba Bakila is one of the one of the forerunners for all of this, and yeah. he's got an interesting story. In 1952, he joined the Ethiopian Imperial Guard, which guarded the emperor of Ethiopia. It was an elite force, and um, it was a pretty important thing. And uh, he rose to the rank of captain. As we see with a lot of runners, they're very driven people, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that he was the same way even before he became um, a, a, a big-time professional runner. Um, well, I guess in that time there were no professional runners. Uh, anyway, he only ran a total of 16 marathons in his entire life. Um, two of them were Olympic victories. Twelve of the 16 that he ran were victories. Um, his last two he didn't finish, um, and he only finished second in his first one. So uh, he was pretty successful mm-hmm. in the marathon. We we like to talk about um, Eliud Kipchoge and how great he how great he is and his running streak and all. This guy was pretty good. Yeah, give him a run for his money, pun <laughs> yeah. intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then he, he started having some injuries and some problems with that. And um, um, it, one other thing about him is, is that they now have an award. The New York Roadrunners is, is, is an international uh, right. recognized group, and they do a, a B.B. Bakil Award every year, which is for those people who do a lot for running in East Africa right. um, because that's, he was the pioneer. Uh, maybe without him, we don't have what we have today. It's, it's funny, we were talking about how, how it's a way of life there. You know, in Ethiopia and Kenya, between those two countries, there's probably 20 guys that would make the United States Olympic team that are sitting at home on Olympics Day. Isn't that crazy wow. to think there's that many over there that are that, are that fast? I mean, it's... Yeah, and it's amazing. Of, One thing, we, we talked about Kipchoge. Lane and I watched a documentary on him. It was probably last year, right after the, the sub-two-hour thing and um just their culture is so much different than ours you know in in the united states we we put um the fastest american runners really the fastest runners in the world we kind of put them on this pedestal and like they're superhuman and we we pay them all this money and usually in, in other sports and cultures along with that comes a lifestyle that matches all that which can be a bad thing yeah but not for them you know, I, I saw one study, or not study, but one statistic said about Kipchoge that he's probably worth close to $10 million. But in Africa, he still lives in Africa, wherever he's from. Yeah. He still lives there in that little village. And in that little village, they have a running club, which probably the guys in that running club are <laughs> it's exactly what you're yeah. talking about. They're yeah. incredibly, any one of them would win 90% of the races around the United States. Yeah, But they have this little club. And they all have chores to do at this little club. It's <laughs> they have like a gym where they do a lot of their workouts and stuff. And it shows uh, Kipchoge sweeping the floor, very humble. Begin. He still lives in a a small hut with a grass roof, a thatch roof. Wow. And this is a guy that, by everybody's account nowadays, he's he's the best there is. And the, just the humble beginnings and the humble way of life. And he accredits a lot of his success to that lifestyle yeah and uh so there's a lot we can learn from from yeah. from that culture over there that um we, we've kind of lost touch with in the united states well you're not kidding yeah and, and talk back, going back to bakila you know on march 22nd of 1969 he was paralyzed in a car accident hmm. 
when he's this great athlete and um, he did regain some, you know he was able to move his upper body but he never was able to walk again but he didn't quit what he did was he competed in archery and table tennis after that um, it was kind of the the, the the events that he was participating in were kind of the, the predecessors to the Paralympic Games we have today hmm. um, which a lot of us look at as being being a, and it's a great thing um, so he wasn't just a one of the the forerunners in East Africa as far as running goes, but he was also one of the forerunners in Paralympic history too, uh, if you look at it that way. so That's just the definition of grit. Isn't it? Isn't it? Most people would give up right there. You know, my, my career's gone, what I'm known for, my identity yeah. to some degree is gone. It would be easy to give up right there. I mean, there, yeah, there's I, – I read that in your notes here, and that's just – Man, that's that's the definition of grit. It is, and he he died at the age of forty-one. Obviously, very very young in nineteen seventy-three. Um, he died basically from complications from all the the surgeries and the things that he had had from the car accident. Um, had a big state funeral. There are now buildings and all sorts of things in Ethiopia named after him because he was such a hero. Mm-hmm. And all of this from a guy who just loved to run and and. Uh, it was just a pioneer. It's a it's a really cool story. Wow. Hey, we have some Run Club exclusives out there, um, things that only Run Club people can get access to, and we are about to embark on an ambitious effort. And what is that? I think this is probably our most ambitious thing we've ever done, and I think people are going to be excited about this. We've kind of floated the teaser out there to our, our Run Club Facebook page. Just to, We were kind of getting everybody's pulse on it, and, man, people were excited. Yeah. But as you know, we've always had the 5K challenge. Uh, at one point, we had a 10K to half marathon challenge, which we kind of pulled back from that, and that was for a variety of reasons. There was some confusion on – different things and that was the same time when when we we broke rolled out the first run club you know if if you can't tell we've we've learned some things over <laughs> the past 10 years and um, sometimes the hard way so so we pulled some of that back well, we rolled run club back out this january and we think we've we've hit a home run with this format yeah um so we still have all of those people out there thousands and thousands over 200,000 people have been through the 5k challenge in over 5,000 communities around the world. But there's always that that nagging, I shouldn't say nagging, it's not a nagging comment, but the question, what's What's, next? mm -hmm. What's next? And Run Club is is filling that void for a lot of people. But there's always that what's next in training. And so this January, we're going to begin the Couch to Marathon (laughs) <laughs> wow. Challenge. And that may sound daunting when you first hear it. It it does to me. I'm going to do this. You know, I've I've kind of been I've kind of been removed from running for about a year now and been walking a lot and and things like that, but I told my wife, you know, a month or so ago, I said I've I've got to sign up for a race. You know, for me, that's the biggest motivation is to sign up for a race. Yeah. And I said I'm going to sign up for a marathon. Well, if I'm going to sign up for a marathon, let's let's all do it. Let's let's do it as a family. Well, let's get all our friends around. Well, let's just go ahead and get the whole run club. Let's all do this together because 
it can be done. Oh, yeah. And it will be done. Oh, yeah. But so what we're going to do, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start in January, and we're going to start the Couch to Marathon journey. Well, all this is is we're going to string together all of our challenges that we've written. You know, everybody knows of the 5K challenge. Actually, the 10K to Marathon challenge is pretty much already done. Yeah. We just haven't ever rolled that out. We're going to begin to roll that out. So we're going to string together the 5K, the 10K, the 13.1, and the 26.2 challenges. And do the math. It works out perfectly. We're going to do a 5K in April. And so if you're a member of Run Club, we're going to invite you to Dalton, the home of Run for God, to run run at the mill for free. Great race. For free. Yep. Did you hear that? Free 90 free. Free 90 free. If you, if you sign up for this journey, this is going to be our reward to you. Welcome to the journey. We're going to invite you to Dalton, Georgia to run this race for free. So we got a 5K in April. That's the 5K challenge. Same program that you've seen. Same program that you know. And what about that person who can't come to Dalton? They're still welcome to run their own 5K, correct? You can run a 5K anywhere. Right. But okay. So the 5K is in April. That's 12 right. weeks. We're going to take a break between every challenge. So we're going to have a week off. Okay. Everybody needs that break, yeah. if not for physically, for mentally. That's right. You, you need that break. Yep. One week later, we're starting the 10K challenge. So that puts you in July to run a 10K. 12 weeks, lands yep. you in July. You're going to run a, a 10K. We don't have a 10K, so we're saying find a 10K in your area. And all these details, as of today, are on the website, on the Run Club website. We'll You'll probably get emails and everything. It's, it's going to be a big push. But you'll find a local 10K in your area or somewhere. It could be destination. And you run a 10K in July. You take a week off. One week later, you start up on the Half Marathon Challenge. All along the way, Dean and I are going to be walking you through these challenges. Every Sunday night, we're going to have class time. It's going to be online, but we're going to be live. And we're going to be walking you through this process. So October, best best month of the year to run. Oh, yeah. October, you're going to find a local half marathon, either local or somewhere that you want to travel to run one. We don't have one. And then in January, the best part. So, so one week later in October, let me back up. One week later in October, you're going to finish that half marathon. You're going to take a week off. Yep. Go enjoy the leaves, whatever. And then one week later, you're going to start the marathon challenge which wow. is going to take us to January of 2022. Well, guess what race competes every January that's probably one of the most famous races of all? It was my first marathon. It was my wife's first marathon. It's the only reason my wife ran her first marathon. I know, I know. The Disney Marathon. <laughs> We're going to graduate this program together at the disney marathon how fantastic now is that? it's probably it's it's a lot of people but it's one of the greatest races i've ever ran i mean it was my first marathon but disney just knows how to do things now i know there's you know there's a lot of disney can be polarizing i'm going for the race it's a great race and the best of all i want us all to come together no matter where you live in the country you've got a year to plan this You've got a full, actually, you've got a year and two months to plan this from this point. Yeah. 
let's all come together and graduate together. We'll have some activities down there that we do together. You know, we may all go out to eat one night together. We'll we'll meet at the same corral together. You know, right now we're working. Uh, Holly's dealing with Disney right now to see what kind of deals we might be able to get for running as a group, and it's, we're running under the umbrella of a nonprofit. Um, so those kind of details will be coming later. Um, but the dates are set. The dates are set on on how this is going to go down. Now, we've went ahead and and, and we're gonna we're gonna put the link out there to this website. But we've we've kind of went into what all is included, all the education. Uh, you got the free 5K in April. You got the Sunday evening class time with Dean and I. You've got access to exclusive gear. I mean, rest assured, we're going to have some marathon gear here. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got the greatest Facebook accountability group that's ever been made. Uh, the training plans, we talked about that. You've got personal coaching from our our good buddy right here, RRCA certified coach, Dean Thompson. Um access to the the team excursions at the marathon um and then a detailed plan of exactly what to do you know i was talking to a friend actually when you pulled in my driveway to pick me up i was talking to a friend of mine uh dean stamper dean was actually uh one that i kind of dared four or five years ago to do an iron man mm. um dean dean is is not a small guy he's a bigger guy and he's not a person you look at and think he can do an Ironman. He's just not, honestly. He would tell you that. But he had we, we put a system in place that was not only a training plan, but an accountability plan. Mm-hmm. There was somebody there to walk him through that plan. Yeah. D- Dean and Wendy both finished that Ironman. They were on the front page of the Chattanooga Times um for completing that Ironman. But what we were talking about today was you can go a lot of places and find a training plan for a marathon. Training plans are really not rocket science. But f- especially for the marathon, the most important thing about getting to the marathon is not the training plan. It's the accountability, the accountability. and the motivation and the inspiration. It's it's having people doing it with you. You know, I told him, I said, it's, to do to train for a marathon by yourself really kind of stinks. Because hard. when you get done with that 16-mile run that we'll probably be doing next December, it stinks when you get done and there's nobody to talk to about it. Yeah. Because you want to talk about these things. And we've got a great infrastructure to talk about it. Can you do it? Absolutely. No question. Gay Coker, all of you know, or many of you know Gay on our staff, she's already committed to this, her and her husband. I've committed to it. I'm pretty sure you've committed to it, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so our whole staff is going to do it. But we've also got, we've also just kind of hit some, some questions. Let me answer the biggest question. How much does it cost for Run Club members? It's free. Free 90 free. Free. If you're a Run Club member... All you've got to do is go register for this. Doesn't cost you a dime. Run Club costs twenty-seven cents a day. You're not going to go any. You're 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 going to be hard pressed to go buy a training plan for that amount of money. Much less everything that that we're we're sending along with it. Um, 
kind of go through some of the questions, Dean. We, we, yeah, we put yeah. some questions but on now, the website. They will have to pay the entry fee for the marathon. But, right, uh, right. Other than the, that, the, the training The marathon, the travel, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's but, that's what you want to make out of But the it. accountability system itself. The training group. The training group, the, the plans, free. the everything. Free to run club members. Free to run club members. Yeah. That's awesome. So what happens to that person who says, I don't know that I can run a marathon? I mean, you just kind of answered that with, with Dean. I mean, there well, was a guy who you would think couldn't run a, an Ironman track. You wouldn't think Dean could have run a, a, a marathon at that point, let alone a swam 2.4 <laughs> miles and uh, rode 120 miles before that, 112 right. miles before that, or 116 in Chattanooga. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, my, my rebuttal to that, because we hear that all the time, mm-hmm. not just about marathons, but just about running in general. I can't do that. Right. With very few exceptions. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say very few exceptions. Anybody can run a marathon. Yep. Now, are you going to run a two-hour marathon? With very few exceptions, nobody <laughs> can do that. <laughs> but with very few exceptions, anybody can run a marathon. Should you get checked by a physician, you know, if, if you're in a risk category that, that you need to get checked? Absolutely. You know, be smart. But... um most people can't complete a journey like marathon training not because of the physical but because they can't muster the the mental fortitude that it takes to do this yep. so much of marathon training is mental it's not physical yeah. it is not physical um, and that's why friends accountability a training group and encouragement are so important and, and that's why we're here that's why that's why we're biting off this challenge because, number one, I want to do it. Yep. Number two, I want our team to do it. I want my friends to do it. I see, I've see. i seen the benefits from people who walk through this. And I'm not talking about the physical benefits. Are you going to lose weight? Yes. Are you going to feel better? Yes. But the confidence that it gives you Amen. for life. Yep. You know, if you can complete a marathon, you can do a lot of things that you didn't think you could do. Amen. And it, and it bleeds over to every area of your life. Yeah. So how many days a week will people have to commit to in order to carry this out? Well, if you've been through the 5K challenge, it's three. Starts off with three. Okay. Now, as we progress through the years, through the year, it it will start to increase from four to five i think five in our plan is is the most that you will run yeah and and some of those days are are just easy days right um the biggest thing i warn people to to not do is to look at or to make the statement i can't run a marathon well guess yeah. what i can't either today today can i get to a 5k in 12 weeks yes to everybody listening to this, chances are you've ran a 5K. If you can run a 5K, you can run a marathon. No question about it. Yeah. It's got to be done the right way. It's got to be done safely. It's got to be done over time. It's got to be not too much too soon, yep. which is critically important yep. in this process. But with very few exceptions, anybody listening to this can run a marathon. That's right. So um, so this takes place, I think you mentioned, Sunday evenings at 8 p.m., right? Right. Uh, what if, what if I can already run a 5K or a 10K? Can I still join the group? Yeah, th- this is the people that's going to make this incredible. 
Yeah. If if you if you're already a runner, if you already call yourself a runner and you you wear that badge proudly, then you're you're one of two people. You're either already a coach, a run for God coach, or you're a potential coach. Yeah. Now, the beauty of what we're going to do in starting in January is we're going to take care of a lot of the heavy lifting. You and I are going to teach these classes. We're going to take all the questions. We need people to facilitate yeah. this in their communities. And you say, you, can, you say, well, it's all online, so what do we need facilitators in communities for? Because there is a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people out there who love the idea of running. And what is everyone's – I haven't seen a study that shows this, but I'm, I'm just going to say it. What's everybody's number one goal when they say, I want to be a runner? I want to run a what? A marathon. A marathon. Yeah, yeah. But that's a very daunting task. So we need people who can go out in their communities and say, hey, we're doing this Couch to Marathon program with Run for God. Come join us. Really, all you're going to have to do is is maybe lead a, a, a group run every week. Just, just to have a place for people in your community to come to and say, Hey, I'm part of this. You can you can talk about that week's that week's lesson. Maybe you have a group run on Monday night where you talk about the lesson from Sunday night and you head out on your group run. But if you're a runner, then you have credibility automatically in your communities. So we want to we want to recruit people who have this on their bucket list, which is a lot of people across this country. But more important than that, people may come to run a marathon. And that's okay. But what we know is during this process, they're going to in, be introduced to Jesus Christ. And that could be all the difference. That's the main goal of this whole process. That's the main goal of Run for God is to point people to Jesus Christ through the sport of running. And how better to do that than through training for a marathon. So we're encouraging people to go out and get their friends involved, everybody they know, to, to get them involved. It's always good. If you're out there by yourself and you can't facilitate a group or you, you don't have a group to facilitate, whatever, and you're just in a circumstance where if you can get one other person, sure, one friend who you guys can kind of train together and help each other out and boost each other up when, when maybe what we're doing is not quite enough, you just need that one more person just to make sure that you show up for that mm-hmm. long run. Um, that would be great. Uh, what about time? Because for a lot of people, the number one reason I hear for why people don't run is I don't have time. Well, you're famous for saying you make time for the things that are important to you. You know, some of the world's greatest CEOs are runners mm-hmm. because they understand what I just said a few minutes ago, that you learn so much about life through marathon training. You learn discipline and dedication. You learn to to budget your time wisely. There's so many things that you learn through this sport and through these programs that we're going to reveal to you from couch to marathon that, you know, you, you understand the benefit of discipline yourself to do something that many say they can't do. Or maybe you said you can't do. There's humongous breakthroughs that come when you do something that maybe your whole life you thought, I can't do this. Well, leave it to me and Dean to show you how. Yeah. Because we know that you can. Like I said, with very few exceptions, and if you think you're one of those exceptions, then you need to get checked by a physician first. Yeah. Because if it's just I can't do it, then that doesn't hold water with me and you. Nope. Nope. Never has. Nope. Um, 
So, yes, you find time to do what is important. Um, right. So what, what's it going to be? Is it going to be Netflix starting in January, or is it going to be going for a run? I know which one is going to benefit you more. Uh, there's no question about that one, especially <laughs> in this day and time. <laughs> um, so people who aren't Christians, they're free to join too, Absolutely. Right? You know, we Run for God is a faith-based organization, but we love all people. We yeah. love all runners, and that includes anybody who wants to join us. And if a family wants to join, they can do that together, correctly? You got you got you got a, a, a husband and wife and they want to do this thing and they want to do it together. Do they need two separate accounts? No. No. You know, R- Run Club, we encourage it's it's for you and your immediate family. You yeah. know, obviously you know, we're going to send out for the free things like the Run at the Mill free registration. We're going to send out one of those per account. But the Run Club itself is for um the immediate family. Let me back up and say one thing I didn't say. Along with that free entry to run at the mill, we're going to do something. We don't know what yet, but we're going to have some kind of get-together Friday night before that race. That's really giving Holly and Gay some heartburn because they're so busy getting ready for that race. So me and you might wind up having to to cook and barbecue and set tables and all that. But we're going to have something on Friday night before run at the mill, and it's going to be free. Yeah. Um, So – I can't stress enough that for $9.97 a month, 27 cents a day, you're going to get world-class training. Yep. And, and I say that confidently. Am I a world-class coach? No. But I know how to motivate, and we know the principles that it takes to get you to do something that you mm-hmm. never thought you could, and you will be so glad at the end that you did it. Amen. Amen. So. Uh, so wh- where do they go to find out more information about how to register at Disney and what the Disney Marathon looks like and all that good stuff? We will put a link um, on this podcast. So if, if you're listening to this podcast, go to the show notes, and we will have the link there. If you're watching this on YouTube, look below. The link will be there. And there will also be a tab on Run for God Run Club where you can find out more information. Now, you can't sign up to to take it until you become a member of Run Club. Once you're a member, then you can log in and you can sign up to take it. Everybody will need to sign up. It is free to Run Club members, but everybody will need to sign up because there'll be different correspondence through all of next year to those people as opposed to the people who are just in Run Club and not taking part in the Couch to to Marathon. So, yeah, be sure to go to runforgodrunclub.com. Find the the tab that says uh, Couch to Marathon. Sign up there. Look in the show notes of this. It'll be everywhere uh, starting today. It'll be everywhere. All right, folks. Couch to Marathon in one year. The epic journey begins. I dare you to sign up. If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today.
All right, we're back. And just recently, you know, we gave away a free membership, a uh, free three months to J Radio uh, on this very show when we were talking about our trivia question. So, uh, again, world's greatest digital music platform. We're so thankful to J Radio for the resources that they provide to us in order for us to, for this thing to, to, to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the audio quality is great, and it's not because of anything you or I do. It's because they, <laughs> they make us sound okay. <laughs> so they're miracle workers here. Um, so don't forget that if you have questions and things about training, about this, this podcast, if you've got questions about something running related, if you've got a story you want to share, whatever, you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. Um, if you don't know about us, then you can go find out more about us at runforgod.com, www.runforgod.com runforgod.com um, to learn more or you can go to runforgodrunclub.com either one so you can find out more about who we are and what we are if you've just happened upon this podcast um, so don't forget we'd love to hear your story we're about to share somebody's story it's a great story we'd love to hear yours everybody has a story we want to hear yours so go to either runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com and submit your story um, if you're a Run Club member, we're going to get you right to the head of the line. And we'll get you on on pretty quick. So, um, so there. So this story this week, I have taken some liberties with this one. This story um, was a very short story, and when I I picked it up, I really thought that uh, it it just needed a little bit more. So, the guy who wrote this story's name is Jason Uptegraw. He is from Blue Mounds, Wisconsin. And I hope, Jason, that with what I've done with this, it is okay. I try to leave these stories as as close to the original as possible. Um, but this one, I just I just had to add several sentences to uh, to this. So um, so I hope it's okay. The story is entitled "Run Your Own Race." Four years ago, I was on a water mission in El Salvador. We were there to dig wells to provide water for people in El Salvador who needed it. Things were not going as planned, and it was hard to take in. In the moment, it is always hard to understand why God allows us to struggle so much. During this difficult time, I kept referring back to 1 Corinthians 9.24. Unfortunately, we were unsuccessful in completing a well. As a matter of coincidence, when we returned home, Father's Day was the next day, and without knowing my readings, my wife and kids had given me a shirt that read 1 Corinthians 9.24, Run Your Race. Hmm, that was curious. What was God trying to tell me? And he gave me an answer. It was at that point I decided to use my running to raise funds for the next well in Nicaragua, In six months, I ran 1,000 miles and raised $1,800. God was providing. But on one of those runs, I prayed that I wasn't feeling connected with this trip to Nicaragua. I would go wherever he wanted, but I felt like I needed him to tell me. The next, next day, I awoke to a message from a friend that explained that a trip opened in El Salvador that same week. He wanted to know if I was willing to commit. If so, he would go too. Without hesitation, it was a yes. 
and to El Salvador we returned. God had answered. Everything about the trip was from God. After we finished the well, the people of the village placed paper crowns on our heads at the dedication ceremony. It was then that I read 1 Corinthians 9.25 one more time and realized what God had been trying to tell me all along. I kept that crown in my Bible to remind me that there is victory in all of us. I run thousands of miles a year, and I know each and every one of them is for the glory of Christ. What a great story from Jason Uptegraw. You know, we've talked before about bathing our efforts in prayer, um, and, and this is a good example of a time when, when somebody, you know, he could just feel God telling him, this, this isn't, there's something not quite right here. And, and sometimes God just wants us to ask. He knows, and he could give us an answer without us asking, but he wants us to go say, but God, I, I just, I don't this doesn't feel right. You know, help, help me out here. I read this three times before we came up here. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing it. What, what was God telling him? I feel like I, I, I feel like he he said it twice that God was telling him something. Maybe I'm disconnected, and maybe this is why we need to talk about this some before we come on there. <laughs> but I, I wasn't I didn't find it's a great story. I love the story, but I didn't find what God was telling. He he alluded to it, but I don't think he ever gave me the answer. I, well, reading between the lines, I feel like what he was saying was is that we we should always be focused uh, focused on on all the things that we you know that we talk about the prayer and and all of the things that that when we do something we don't just do it. And it, it almost felt like what he was saying was that first well they dug was just doing it, mm. and that he realized at some point in time, God gave him this this running gift. And that he should use this running gift, and he used it, and he raised this money, and then, so, so it was confirmation of what he had done was the right path. Then he he was kind of okay. kind of on the right path, but then God wanted him to be more focused, and so God kind of prompted him to p- pray and say, "Where do you want me to go? Because we've got this trip planned over here, but it doesn't feel right." And so God gave him this answer to say, "Yeah, that's that's not the right place to go. I need you over here." Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think about the amount of time that we spend in prayer um, because that's what we measure things by in our society. You know, we think about the amount of time we spend doing things as to just how, how fervent we are about something, right? Right. Um, but I know people who run 12 miles a week that are really passionate about running, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we all know that person, yeah. right? Yeah. Who's just crazy about it, but they just don't run that much, but they really love love it. I think prayer is the same way. I don't think God is after big, long prayers. And I mean, a verse in the Bible that talks about that, how you know these, these Pharisees would stand on the corners with their showiness and, and say these big, long prayers with these big words and stuff. It's not what God's looking for. God says, go in your closet. He said, and, he, and he's looking for the earnestness. Right. Just like in this case where Jason said, this doesn't feel right. God, what, what am I missing here? And God told him. And it was good that he recognized that because how many times do we do things and s- prepare things and we say, okay, God bless this. Yep. God doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. God, like David Hendricks always said, find where God's working and go there. Don't ask God to come do what you're wanting to do. That's not how this works. That's not how this relationship works. So, that yeah, I got that part that, you know, he he finally submitted to or, or 
submitted to God and say, okay, whatever your plan is. And then boom, the yeah. next morning it shows up. Yeah. And how many times, yeah, it happens a lot. It does happen a lot. And a lot of times we think that, I mean, digging wells in a third world country, obviously that's a good thing, right? right? Obviously. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out I'm doing good stuff when I do that. But as I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, sometimes doing good stuff isn't exactly what God wants us to do. Can lead us away from Christ. That's right. That's right. Scripture passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, that he shares. He didn't share the actual passage, so we're going to share the passage here. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Never forget the first time I heard this. Of course, I've been a runner my whole life, and so Mm -hmm. I remember I was a runner by the time I heard this for the first time. And and I thought, that's saying that only one person gets the prize? Because that's what it sounds like, right? Mm-hmm. When you just so uh, for for those of us, and I was a kid when this happened. Um, but it's important to know that Paul is not saying it's a contest to get to heaven, right? Right. <laughs> um, but he is saying that we should want to be better than everybody else around us from the standpoint of being a Christ follower. So we look around us, we see the world around us. We want to be better than the world that's around us. Um, and follow Christ much more closely than the world around us does. Um, It's not the goal that we have to outdo others to get to heaven, but it is the goal that we should want to, that we should want to do those extra things that make that big of a difference to God, Um, that we we should want to pray more and to pray more fervently. We should want to help more people that's inside of our sphere of influence. Um, we should want to do those things. And that's, that's, that's what I think Paul's getting at here is we should want to get that prize, and that prize is doing all I can. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Second scripture passage, 1 Corinthians 9.25, the one right after it. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That, you know, the first part of that verse is really important. The people who participated in these games that Paul is alluding to here, um, you know, they had strict diets. They had these training regimens. They were, they were really, really strict on themselves in their training, and, um, and that's important because as runners, we know this. We have to subdue our bodies with our minds. We often let our minds control what our bodies do. So when we're too tired to go run, that's us allowing our bodies to control what we know we should do. Um, there's obviously a ton of things out there from a, a moral standpoint that we, uh, we, our bodies get in the way of doing what God would have us to do. Um, but our body has to be made to serve the mind. And how do you do that? You do that through strict training. Mm-hmm. You do that through picking up that book and reading those Bible verses and, and, and understanding that that putting our faith in him is much more important than allowing our bodies to control what we do, what our minds do. Um, so <clears throat> I wasn't giving you the silent treatment right there. I went, you went through two verses and I didn't say a word. It's cause I wanted you to read them both. Um, yeah. you know, I had a, you know, we, we do our quiet time every night as a family. And it's funny that these two verses just popped up. I'm sure it's a coincidence, but <laughs> You know that's not what I mean. It's uh, there are no coincidences. Anyway, so my my seventeen year old son Lane, 
he 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 can ask some pretty deep questions sometimes you know this oh yeah and he he was struggling the other night with the concept of storing your treasure in heaven and when we got on a my 13-year-old son was about asleep by the time we got down this conversation because <laughs> we just kept going back and forth. And, and I, I, I'll say up front, I don't have the answer to this. And, and we're actually probably going to go to breakfast with my pastor here in the next few weeks just to talk about this concept. But Lane's really intrigued about it, so I, I wanted to go with it. You know, I want to yeah. I want to kind of flush this out. And, and I don't think we ever come to a – and maybe we, you know – Maybe we won't ever know on this side of glory, but he was struggling with the concept of storing your treasure in heaven. And I think where some of his struggle was is we tend to put this concept in an earthly context, you know. And, and it, that's the reason I, when you put these verses in here, it really caught my eye because it, it kind of goes to this concept of run so that you get the prize. Well, we know the prize is not here on earth. The yeah. prize is in heaven. It's storing yeah. that treasure in heaven. Um, they do it to get a crown. You know, that's that's putting our treasure in heaven, and you get a crown that will last forever. So that crown is in heaven. But Lane's question was, does it matter the motive behind that? And what he was asking was, you know, should our motive to be to store our treasure in heaven or to please God? And... Doing things that produce treasure in heaven is biblical, and it pleases God. Yeah. So is it wrong for that to be our motive? Is it wrong to do things to store treasure in heaven? Is it wrong for that to be your motive rather than pleasing God? See, I don't think they're—I think they're connected completely. Yeah, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I, I I think it's kind of the same thing, yeah. but he's he was pulling that, and I got why he was coming from it. Yeah, because he talked about you know in heaven there is no selfishness, there is no, you know all these different things. But can you can you have the motive of just doing things to store treasure in heaven? I say no. I say that that comes because. It's the chicken and the eggs thing. I agree. Yeah, and but it was just really fa- it was a really fascinating conversation because yeah, Lane can, loves to debate. I'm oh, and I can hear Lane doing it because you know he's done that with me before. He won't let something go until you give him what he feels like is a satisfactory answer, and I right. love that about Lane. And we didn't come to a satisfactory yeah, answer, and yeah. I that's you know I hate to do this, and and I but I said some things we just. Some things you just have to accept because and we in his about that mind, last week. in Lane's mind, he's thinking. I mentioned, you know, we talked about the treasures in heaven. You know, is there going to be, is heaven going to be a different experience for me than Billy Graham? Is heaven going to be a different experience for me versus Paul? I don't know that I know the answer to that, but if it, but if it is, that will be okay. If it's not, that will be okay. But w- when you read those scriptures, store your treasure in heaven, 
it it sounds like we put it in earthly context. Like I'm going to have a bigger house in heaven. I don't. Yeah. That's not what it's talking about. No, and I think that where we get hung up on this is is a single word. It's the word treasure, right? Because we have an earthly definition of what treasure means. Right. But I also think about how when we talk about someone we love, we talk about them being a treasure to us. Well, that's a person. That's not a thing. That's a person. Right. And treasure can have so many treasured memories. We talk about treasured memories. Treasure can have so many different meanings. But I think we automatically go to, we see this pirate's chest of gold open right. up exactly with, with stuff flowing the out earthly of earthly context exactly exactly yeah, yeah. So. so yeah i i'm gonna do some more digging on that I, uh, that fascinating. really fascinated me yeah. you know <laughs> the thinking of a 17 year old never ceases to amaze me <laughs> um well, maybe and, next week we'll come back and we'll have a better answer for that who knows yeah and but Stay we may tuned. not have an answer well, we know, and we, if you have an answer listening to this if you can point me to scripture or to commentary that I would love to know because Lane and I are not done with this conversation. Yeah, I promise you he's not going to let it go. <laughs> uh, nor should he. I mean, we, we right. he, he's curious and it's curious curiosity in a healthy way. Yeah. He, he just wants to understand. And, and But at the end of the day, there's some things we won't understand. I'll tell you what, I love curiosity. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to listen to the other side. I like to listen to non-Christians make an argument. Mm-hmm for why maybe they don't think there's a God or you know whatever their, their, their thing is. And then I like to go to the source, to the Bible, and I like to really study that thing. Mm-hmm. Not so that I can argue with them so much, but so that I can have peace of mind that, okay, they just put up a pretty good argument. But I can, I can feel good knowing that my, my, the truth lies in, in, the truth is important, and that the truth is is that I'm, I'm headed in the right direction. Right. Yeah. Question one, are you running the race that is only for you? <laughs> you know, God has a specific plan for all of us, and we know those plans are good. I mean, it tells us that. Jeremiah 20, 29, 11 is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Um, so we know that. We know God has a plan. We know it's for our good, and yet we still struggle with doing what that is. Um, why is that so hard, you think? Um, he we we say it all the time. I mean, no good thing comes easy. No good thing comes free. Um, the best things in life come as a result of a struggle, and I'm not struggle comes in many forms. Yeah, but the best things in life come from a struggle or from a process. Yeah, and. I think yeah. some, sometimes we don't have a real clear calling. We, we, we don't, we, we think maybe we heard God's voice saying we need to do this, but maybe that's our own conscious saying this is what I really want to do. And, you know, sometimes that's hard. If somebody had told me 15 years ago that you're going to be doing stuff, you're going to be talking to and about running and runners all the time, every day of your life, I would have said, no, probably not. Right. Because I would have thought that would be selfish of me to yeah. do that, right? I really would have. But today I look at I look at where I am and what I do, and I think, how, how stinking blessed am I yeah. to be able to do what I'm doing? But it's hard to look at things and to know, is that is that my desire? 
or is that God's will? Because sometimes they're the same, and sometimes they're not, right? right? I think that causes a cloud sometimes. Are you afraid to take the path less traveled? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm not afraid, no. I'm, I'm kind of a trailblazer. Yeah, you've, I don't, you've never been afraid to go down a path. But it, it is hard. <clears throat> and when, I, when you say the path less traveled, I put that in a spiritual context and, and, and the, the Christian life context and it's it's hard because the world in general does not take that path hmm. the the path of living right living for Christ doing what's right doing what we say and and they'll ridicule you and at a minimum they'll treat you differently because you take the path less traveled and many times it's often it's even your family yeah um, and it's it's subtle things, but it, it does weigh on you over time. And that's why I think it's so important that, number one, you have people around you who think like you. Mm-hmm. Um, you. You have to have that. That is the body. That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what Christ talks about when he talks about the body of believers and, and edifying each other. you got to have that because many times it's the, it's the little things. It's, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, raising kids on the way up here. Um Raising kids to be in a godly way is hard. It is. Doing what you feel like God is convicting you, you know, whether it's, you know, cell phone versus no cell phone, curfew versus no curfew. Well, and you know Expectations. It's not just you and, and the, the things that you do as a parent, but you know that you're causing extra friction on your child than they have to have. And that's hard. Sure, it's it's. My kids have a Lane is the only one that drives, and and he has a ten o'clock curfew. Most of Lane's friends do not have that curfew, mm-hmm. and the easy thing for me, and I'm not saying your child should have a ten o'clock curfew. That's for me and my family. That's his curfew. The easy thing for me to do would be to say, "I'll just get home whenever." Yeah, but. In my deepest pit of my convictions, I know that that's not the right thing to do. The easiest thing for me to do would have been when my kids were five years old to hand them a phone as a pacifier. Yeah. For me and my family, that was not the right way to do it. I expect a lot out of my kids because God expects a lot out of us. Yeah. And train up a child in the way they should go and when they were older they will not depart is in the Bible for a reason. Mm. It's our responsibility to walk this narrow road and lead by example. Does that mean that they will never be the prodigal son or the prodigal child? No. The prodigal son story is in the Bible for For a reason. reason. (laughs) But handling money you know over the past years Holly and I we've tried to take a biblical route to handling money uh, making church a priority you know that that is getting that is a concept that is fleeing more and more in our society people yeah. are Christians but they don't make church a priority does that mean that I'm at church every single Sunday no but it is a priority in my life and 
I'm not just going to be laid up on the couch saying, ah, it's not that important. You know, so many principles that we are to follow as believers constitute the path less traveled. Yeah. But is it easy? Another verse that's in the Bible for a reason is pick up your cross daily yeah. and follow me. Mm. That That is a picture of struggle, not of a life of ease. Yeah. And yeah. so to answer your question, no, I'm not afraid. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. And most people will say, I'm willing to go down that path until you have to take those first few steps. And then it, it's hard. And and don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not denigrating anybody who has a hard time going down those paths because it is hard. It's truly truly hard. Um, I probably never would have left my corporate job un, unless the circumstances that forced me to leave forced me to leave because it was too hard for me to go down that path. So um, I, I get it when when that's a problem and that's hard. Um, I argued with God for a year mm-hmm. before he made the circumstances such that it was possible. Um, that path seemed like it was too difficult for me, um, but it wasn't in the long run. And now I know that, and you know what it does now is it makes me look at the next path that looks like it's hard. It looks a little easier to me. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the more you go down these these road less traveled areas, the easier it is to take the next road that's that's even less traveled. Right. Yeah. Last question. Can you hear God's whispers for you? <laughs> I can if I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be listening. So how do we know? How do we listen? Sometimes you have to get quiet. And I mean that. I mean that. Literally and figuratively. Literally. I was looking for the word literally. Yeah. yeah. I kept thinking fi- figuratively. Yeah, I mean that literally. Yeah. You know, in a world where there is no quietness. Yeah. There is no quietness in the world around us, so we have to intentionally make quietness. I try to do it in the mornings, sitting at my desk. But even that's hard. My phone will buzz, my email will pop up, a kid will yell, you know, whatever. I mean, good. These are, I'm not saying these are bad distractions, but they're distractions nonetheless. So sometimes we do have to just get alone and then when i do get alone and i get out all the distractions a lot of times the distraction is me yeah because i'll be whining and i'll be doing all the talking and (laughs) and sometimes i I sense god just saying be quiet yeah you know we how many times do you want to say that to people that just keep talking well a lot of times we're that way with god you made me think about something that happened just this this past (laughs) week with my wife i walked out out back she told you to be quiet didn't she well (laughs) Yeah, she thinks that a lot more often than she says it because she's a kind Debbie's lady. Debbie's very restrained. She is. Uh, but I, anyway, she was working out in our backyard, and I was going to go out there. We needed to, we needed to do some work out there, and need, both needed to be doing some some things. And so I walk out there, and I've got my big Bluetooth speaker because I'm going to listen to music while I'm doing what I do. Because that's whatever I do, I usually have on some headphones or something. And I'm either listening to a podcast or I'm listening to some music. That's just because it's. We feel like we need a distraction, mm-hmm. right? And when I walked out, she saw the speaker in my hand, and she goes, uh, don't turn that up real loud. I was really enjoying the peace and quiet. And it was it was so wise, you know, in the moment. I thought, wow, that's uh, 
But I turned it on anyway. Um, <laughs> and then she said, Dean, be quiet. No, I kept it down really low. I did keep it down low. And, and then, you know what I did? I heard her singing some of the songs. Mm. So, uh, mm. uh, which, you know, that goes both directions. So, uh, anyway, uh, I just think it's, I think, we, I think we've got to be close to him to hear him. Because God yeah, does I mean, often whisper, and we can't hear a whisper if you're not right next to right. somebody. You know, we pray for billboards. I pray, that's what I pray for is billboards. God will get our attention in many, many ways. But sometimes the most profound times that he wants to talk to us. It's a still small voice. Yep. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's a billboard. Or a two by four. Or a two by four. <laughs> or a health scare. Or a car wreck. Or yeah. he, he gets our attention in many, many ways. But some of the most profound times that he gets our attention is in the quietness. And we've got to be listening for those. We do. Because in the quietness, he's not that hard to hear. That's right. He's just not. You know, in the in the loud times, it's easy to get him confused with us or other things or uh, yeah. fluke, fluke thought, whatever. But in the quietness, it's not an audible voice. Don't, I'm not saying that, but it's many times it's very clear. Well, just like in this case, in this story, exactly. You know, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't sure. There was too much going on, and he kind of said, "Okay, God." He got quiet. Said, "Tell me what you want me to do." And he gave him an answer within inside of 12 hours. Yeah. A lot to learn there. Yep. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It, it takes God to clean it out. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. All right, so we are back and it is time for Dean's Thoughts. And that is a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You know, we've talked... Um, not, not too long ago about how sometimes the only way out is through. That was a Robert Frost mm. quote. Uh, well, sometimes the only way to see forward is to look backwards. And that's what this one's called. It's called looking backward and forward. What do you remember about your running? I, I mean, when you look back, what fills your mind? Do you think about a race you ran 10 years ago? Do you think about fun moments, the accomplishments, or the breakthroughs? Or do you think about an injury that sidelined you for months? Or maybe you think about that race you didn't finish. Your answer could give great insight into who you are as a runner. I don't know if you've noticed, but running is hard. It doesn't matter how positive you are, you still recognize the difficulty inherent in our sport. But here's the question. Are you amplifying that difficulty or are you minimizing it? As a coach, I see a lot of people who fret over everything from the upcoming race to the socks they should wear. While it is fine, even essential, to think about all that must be done to reach a goal, you can't be consumed by it. 
especially if all your thoughts are negative. And make no mistake, worrying is negative. It's good to look forward to a plan. Uh, it's good to look forward to plan for anything that could come your way. But worry is not part of the plan. If you thought about the negative things when I asked those first few questions, you're almost surely a worrier. Even if you thought of positive running times, it doesn't mean that you're out of the woods, though. How much do you worry about things related to running? Most of us spend some time on negative thoughts, but you can limit those thoughts of what might be by thinking of already was. Now, what do I mean by that? To have a positive vision of the future, it helps if you look at the good things from the past. I like to remind athletes of the road they have traveled to get where they are today. If you've been training for a half marathon and you're worried about being able to perform on race day, simply look back to the road you have already traveled. Chances are you've had some ups and downs during your training. Focus on the good runs and the workouts that went well. Think about the overall picture and the amount of work you've put into your training. The way most coaches like to say it is this, trust your training. If you're positive about what you've already done, it will lead to positive thoughts about what is coming up. One naturally follows the other. Anytime you're worried about things down the road, take a reassuring look back down the road you've already traveled. Chances are you can hang your hat on quite a few accomplishments and milestones to build your confidence. Have you ever built a house? It sure can be a headache, can it? Months and months of headaches and worries, right? But when it's completed and you get to stand in that house that you worked so hard to build, do you think about the plumber who was two weeks behind schedule? Or do you think about how nice it is to stand in your finished house and how much you and your family are going to enjoy it? I'd say most people will forget about the plumber because the mind is filled with possibilities and positive expectations. When Solomon was able to build the temple that his father David had planned many years prior, the priests and their supporting crew brought the furniture in the Ark of the Covenant. They were finally in the new magnificent temple. They sang songs, praised God, and thanked him, saying, saying in 2 Chronicles 13, For he is good for his mercy endures forever. They were focused on enjoying the fruits of all the labor that had, got, that had gotten them to this point, but they were looking back at what God had already done in their lives. He is good, not was good. And then they focused on the positivity of the future. His mercy endures forever. Because they were so focused on God in the moment, he filled the house of God so completely they had to stop what they were doing. It was awe-inspiring. In that moment, they were filled with positive expectations. So the next time you're worried about an upcoming race or a long run, remember all the positive things that had to happen in order for you to get where you are. Don't focus on the one or two bad runs you didn't finish. When you do, you're focusing on the plumber instead of the fact you have a beautiful house around you. Even worse, you're failing to look back at the times that God has delivered you from things that were much worse circumstances. 
Look back at all the positive things and your mind will see all the possibilities and positive expectations on the horizon. Man, that's a great story, Dean. I love the plumber in the house illustration. I, I thought you would. That's uh, <laughs> that's in, we we need you know in the the building business we need to we need to give that story to the customers a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I'll never forget when we had we had a swimming pool put in our backyard, and when we had it put in, and it took a couple of weeks longer than it was than it needed to. And oh my goodness, my wife rarely loses her temper. <laughs> rarely very rarely <laughs> uh i know you always like to say and i think you just said it with day about david you, you look where god is working and go go to that place or you've always said where's the last place you heard god go back to that spot yeah if you're asking yourself where god where are you for me a lot of times that's a good indication that i may be out ahead of him because um, i'm I'm bad about that. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll get this thing or this idea and, and you and I are both the same way. We've said mm-hmm. this before. We're doers. We're mm-hmm. we're doers. Let's let's do and then plan later. Yeah. You know, we're the we're the not ready aim, aim, aim fire. We're the ready fire aim, aim, aim. <laughs> and we get it out of order sometimes, but a lot of times when when we wonder where God is, you know, we have to look back. Yeah. And, and it goes right along with your story. Yeah. Um sometimes you gotta to look in the rearview mirror and you see God, He's still back there, finishing up this thing, and uh, we need to go back to where He's at. And there's always success back there to look at too. Um, and sometimes even through bad circumstances, I think about the time that, like I said, I was just talking about the time that I, I left the, the, that job that I had for 25 years. There were some rough moments after that happened, um, but I can look back at that now and go, "Wow." What a great opportunity that was. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's the same. You know, whenever I get a chance to to speak to people, um, kind of one of the talks that I give is called Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. And, you know, society says don't look back. Don't look back. And I say sometimes we must. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've heard this comment before, and actually my pastor used it on a whole series, I think, last year, but talking about why the— the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield. Yeah, you know, if if we weren't meant to look back, the rearview mirror wouldn't even be there. That's right. But it is there, and it's because we need to look behind us from times, but our focus needs to be on what's ahead. And, and the there's big so much windshield. to learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, and let me just say, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast about worriers. Worry is not of God. Exactly. And, and, and we've had this discussion and. And most people who are warriors know it too. Right. Um, but but that's an important thing that we all talk about how we're we're wired a particular way or another. Um, but but let me give it. If you're one of those warriors who you're saying there's nothing I can do because that's just how I am. I'm just a warrior. Let me give you some reassuring words. I can tell you that I had a pretty bad temper at one time. Mm-hmm. I've probably not ever shared the story here, but I could share a story where I have been not just thrown out of a baseball game that I was playing in. I was thrown out of the park hmm. because I was so and bad. You are telling on yourself. I am. I am. But that's that's who I was. Right. I'm not that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't lose my temper like that anymore. Now, do, do I still struggle with it occasionally? Sure I do. I don't ever, ever go there. 
yeah. uh, because God has worked on me, and he chips away a little bit at a time, and I get better every year. I'm better than the year Sometimes he before. takes big chunks. He does take big chunks and, and does it in painful <laughs> and it ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's for the good. But if, if, you're, if you're out there and you're going, I'm just that way and there's nothing I can do about it, let me assure you that if you'll focus on trying to, to do better, God will help you get better. He won't do it all at once. It won't be a miracle where one day you're a worrier and the next day you're not. But I guarantee you he can take some of that worry away from you. And it, you can always, because I, I deal with, I'm a pretty anxious person. I can be, sometimes more than not. And, and sometimes, and my wife has gotten to where she, she can recognize it. She'll see it. I mean, evidently I wear it like a costume sometimes. And, and she'll bring it to my attention. And when she brings it to my attention, the first thing I do is, is I look at my prayer life. Mm. And, man, almost 100%, I would say 100% of the time when I'm just overwhelmed with something, and that overwhelming is usually fear, stress, anxiety, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Medication can mask it, but prayer can fix it. Yeah. And usually when I get to that point, I can, I can look at my prayer life and I can say, there it is. Or I can look at my time in the Word or I can look at my quiet time that I, I try to have every morning. And, and, and I, I'll, I'm at the point now where I can see a pattern. Yeah. But the problem is I still slip back into it. And that, that is who we are. Yeah. We are fallible. We are sinners. We are fallen. But there's one thing that can fix it. You know, many, many people say that's who I am. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Well, there is something there you is. can do about it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the it may be who we are. It may be who you are, you know. But that's not who you have to remain. That's not who you have to keep being. There is something that can fix it. And when you notice it, as soon as you notice it, you know where to look. Exactly. Yep. And and yeah, something that would have kept kept me tore up for days. You know, sometimes I recognize it and I go get in my prayer closet and come out immediately feeling better yeah and i mean it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it because i had something here recently that got me that way recognized my my time with christ wasn't where it was supposed to be got in my prayer closet and almost immediately it's it's not that the issue is gone but i've turned it over to god yeah and that makes all the difference in the world i think we need to make sure we memorialize that quote you just had though medication can mask it but Prayer can fix it. I like that. I like that. I better so, write that down or you'll yeah. be stealing that from me. Hey, uh, <laughs> if you're not a Run for God coach yet, what are you waiting for? If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You. Yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. 
All right, we are going to have to wrap this up because we're this has gotten so long, we're about out of studio time. We have too much fun. Yeah, we're, they're about to kick us out of <laughs> they're here. They're going to kick us out pretty soon. So uh, let's talk about our trivia question for this week. Okay, right? before so you ask the question, we're going to, if you're watching this on YouTube, this is our uh, Run Club goodie box. All right. And um, this has a devotions book in it. It has a Run Club t-shirt in it. It has a coffee mug in it. And it's going to be free. If you answer this question, if you're the first one, I almost dropped it. You got to be the first one to email Dean at runforgod.com with the answer to this question. And you have to be a Run Club member. That's the yeah. only two requirements. Be the That's first right. one with the answer and be a Run Club member. The first one to set to, to go to Dean at runforgod.com. Right. Not customer service. I have gotten a couple. I got one through Messenger this week, too. Can't do that. It needs to be at Dean at runforgod.com. Right. Yep. So here's this week's trivia question. Let's go to a track event. I love track and field. I know you're not a big fan of track mm -hmm. and field. I love track and field. So we're going to talk about track and field. I know we're all distance runners, but this guy is one of my all-time favorites. There was a guy who participated in a shorter event in track and field who won more than 100 races in a row. Who was it? What was the event, and how many consecutive races did he win? And then tell us, what was the time period that covered? I think I might know this one. Yeah. Well, I may be wrong. I'll be impressed if you but know But I can't one. win, can I? You can't win. Nope. Dean at runforgod.com. Send it there. So here's why running is so awesome. I love running because it's a simple sport. And yet... There have been books written that are over 900 pages long. I think about the lore of running. The book is like a doorstop. It's, I mean, it, it's it's a brick, uh, and and it's filled with tons. Well, I mean, of great we said last week the complete. There was a there was a book called the Complete Book of Running, and then the guy wrote another one. I know. So that was <laughs> that was about 600 pages in total between those two books, maybe 700. Um, yeah, so there's a book called The Science of Running. It's nothing but, it's only about how science relates to running. It's 300 pages long by Steve Magnus. So um, there's still things we don't know. Uh, but that's what I love about running is the act itself is very simple. But it's very complicated at the same mm -hmm. time. So motivational thought of the week. The obsession with running is really an obsession with the potential for more and more life. I love that quote. George Sheehan, Dr. George Sheehan, said, has said a lot, a lot of great running quotes. Kind of goes back to that principle that we said, the things you're going to learn from training for a marathon. That's exactly right. Far exceeds the sport. Right back to couch to marathon. Yep. Join yep. us. Join us. Running gives you more life. And you know what else gives you more life? Christ gives you life more abundantly. That says it says it in the Bible. Christ gives you more life abundantly. Running gives you more life. Is that a coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Will you choose more life today? Uh, listen, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Again, join Run Club if you haven't done that yet. Um, be a part of what we're doing. We, we just talked about this big thing we've got coming up next year. It's really ambitious. We would love to have what thousands of people join us we would love to i have. would love to call disney and say we've got a thousand people coming to orlando next yeah. january think about the statement that that would make in that race oh my goodness yeah think that about would. that we're gonna have some kind of shirt for that race and it's yeah. gonna be bright and it's gonna have scripture on the back think about the statement that that can make 
to the running world. Man, that'll be... Gives me goosebumps. Yes, it does. That's fantastic. So go out there, um, do all the things. Check out our, our podcast and make sure that you're subscribed so you get it every week. And um, give us reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Send us messages. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.